Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Mr. Blobby beating Take That to Christmas number one. I'm Ash Rose, and tonight we are finishing our countdown of the team of the 90s. Uh, if you've been listening over the last few weeks, we've gone through all the positions. We did strikers, we did midfielders, defenders, and then last week goalkeepers. And tonight we are here. Finally, we're going to pick our team of the decade, which is probably going to be highly controversial. Um, I'm sure we'll shoehorn a few players in to get the best, but this is just the opinion of the guests in the room. I mean, please go, go on Twitter and Facebook and disagree or agree but yes tonight we are picking our what we think is the best 11 of the 1990s um, well talking to Twitter you can follow us on Twitter at AK90s and on Facebook at the same address uh, you might have noticed over the last month I think I've mentioned it on the pod over the last weeks as well we were doing our 90s Christmas advent calendar as well which uh, every day I've been putting up a random image of a 90s personality in some Christmas attire. Um, everyone's random from Steve Stone to Ricky Skimmaker, if you remember that name. Um, so we're continuing that right up to Thursday. There's a few more belts of images coming of people in Santa outfits and things like that. Not what you expect the modern day footballers to do, but they did it quite well in the 90s. So have a look out for that. And I think there's still time, just a little bit of time for you before the big day on Friday to get some last minute Christmas gifts. Uh, if you're a fan of the uh, art football t-shirts that we've been promoting, there's still time to get them and get our brilliant discount we've been doing with those guys. You might have seen the t-shirt that I was wearing last week of Renny Aguita. Um, there's loads on there. There's uh, the guys at the QPR pod had some QPR ones as well, Trevor Sinclair and Bobby Samora, but there's loads of teams. Um, just pictures kind of give an artistic twist. It's uh, great stuff from the guys there. And if you, Go online now. I think it's probably the last day. Um, I'll double check on our Twitter feed, but you can get 10% discount AK90s using that code. Uh, it ends this week um, before the Christmas deadline. So if you want to do that, get yourself a 90s gift. And while you're there, why not have a look at uh, the profile on Twitter and go on Amazon and look at the book, Alive and Kicking, the ultimate book of 90s football nostalgia, uh, where this pod spawned from. And it's got loads of memories, some of which we've talked about and some of which we will talk about in the future. Um, that's on uh, Amazon and a bargain price of $9.99. Um, Talking of the uh, internet, of course, as well, if you want to listen back to the previous pod episodes, uh, especially the ones where we discussed all the different positions, so many more names than we'll get through tonight, um, and especially some gems like Tim Breaker, uh, we did in our Defenders podcast, and last week we talked about Phil King of Aston Villa as well. Um, go on iTunes, or we are also available on SoundCloud and on the website. And if you are on iTunes and feeling particularly festive, as we all are at this time of year, why not give us a five-star rating for your podcast pleasure, because that would be brilliant for us and would make our Christmas and help us tremendously but let's get down to it then um because it's our end of the year podcast and we're doing this team of the decade we've brought back some regulars um some guys who've been brilliant in the past um so be good evening to all of them firstly straight back from last week um when we did goalkeepers uh, it's from west london sport a villa fan andrew rabin hello we missed a few goalkeepers out last week, didn't we? We did. Did we want to quickly mention them, like um, the part two? Yeah, I, I've now forgotten them again. Dimitri Karin was the one, as we walked down the stairs. As we walked down the, the stairs, Dimitri Karin came out, and Brian Gunn's been mentioned Brian this Gunn's evening already. So, yeah. uh, and Bruce Grobler, we didn't even give... Well, he was more 80s, but and Chris Woods was another one as well. But yeah, we'll talk goalkeepers firstly in just a second. Oh, joining him is Middlesbrough fan and ITN still... ITV. ITV now, now. sorry. Yeah, sorry, you know. Almost had to wear a Christmas jumper on Friday. A Joel Young Borough fan. With Got away with it, and sorry, I can't hear from this lofty position on top of the league. Oh, that's keep it 90s. It's <laughs> never happened in the 90s, did it? Well, it did in the, in, yes, in the it lower leagues. And finally, we've got our, uh, our 90s football guru. And I like to call him Kent Teacher of the Year, Rob Gallagher. <laughs> Season's greetings, Ash. Season greetings, thank you. Season greetings. And if anyone knows Rob, that was quite hard for him to say as well. Um, so yes, we'll be discussing that in a minute. So let's just get down to a few things that happened in this week in the 90s. Uh, on the 21st of December 1995... 
Jack Charlton resigned as Republic of Ireland manager after failing to qualify for Euro 96. On the 21st of December 1996, you might have seen it on our Twitter feed earlier, Eric Cantor scores that goal against Sunderland at Old Trafford. Is, uh, that, is that goal like that dress that uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley wore in the pre- It is pretty much the 90s, yeah. yeah prettier. Yeah. I think he did a better 12, though, afterwards, didn't it he, with did that goal? Very good, like, it was a very good stance. A really good stance, that was, Gordon Cantona. On the 22nd of December 1997, Jurgen Klinsmann joined Spurs for a second time on a six-month deal, despite the fact that Andy Sugar had already done what he'd done with his shirt the first time. Uh, 23rd of December 1997, this is Brilliant for those who's 90s random names. Coventry break their transfer record to sign. Any guesses? Peter and Love? No. <laughs> it's a good one, though. Um, oh, not a clue. Romanian Moldovan. VRL Moldovan. Yes, he scored the winner at Villa Park. There you go. Andrew, you're always there to my pronunciation. I'm like the Paul Merson of David Pleat. Yeah, exactly. It was from Grasshoppers for 3.25 million. So that's a great name. And lastly, 26 December 1999, so Boxing Day. I think it's something that actually when Joe was on, we talked about in our Foreign Legion podcast. Chelsea become the first team to field an all foreign 11 in their Boxing Day match against Southampton. Right, before we dig into the team of the 90s, we're not going to do CVs because these guys have been on quite a lot and we've learned quite a lot about them. So we've given that a rest this week and we're going to go for a festive question. So when these boys coming on they've i asked them to think of the most 90s football related christmas present they got the best or maybe the worst so i'll start with you mr gallagher what what have you remembered from your 90s past um mainly danny baker videos um, yes <laughs> things like that but i'd say probably the most poignant thing uh, i was given uh was something that stuck with me and uh, as a child obviously you wear football shirts and y- you know you're you're proud of it but not in the same way as you are as when you're starting to grow up and actually realize what it means and um, short anecdote I remember my dad giving me uh, the live TV weathering Norwegian oh. shirt for Christmas a dream for every boy <laughs> I'm sure and he just said to me uh, wear this but wear this with pride uh, never be ashamed and I just thought to myself but that's what football's all about because yeah. no matter where you come from who you support you know you're, you're associating yourself with that tribalism and you you know you are at the end of the day when, when the players have gone and the chairman have gone and everyone else the fans are the last bastion of the club and you're representing that and it just it stayed with me so good good one good yeah I remember my first shirt as well mine was a Brooks QPR shirt early 90s and that was a Christmas present as well that was on my list Joe what do you remember see I was going to say the same thing you know I, the problem though with getting a, a football shirt for Christmas is at most you've got five months out of yeah. It. <laughs> yeah especially with Man United fan in the 90s yeah <laughs> But I always remember getting, you know, I, I always think, I don't know what it's like for you lot, but I, I always think the Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough home kit should always have a band across the middle and the Middlesbrough away kit should be blue and black stripes. It should be always that. And the, I remember the, I always got the home kit, but the first away kit I got was the Barmby, blue, uh, blue and black stripes, cell net across it. And again, got four and a half months wear out of it before yeah. I turned it into a bed t-shirt <laughs> or a, a five-a-side t-shirt. My nan like used to make them into pillows. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was a good idea. But now I wish I'd kept them all because retro never goes out of style, no, it's true. as we know. You should have the one, I think we've stepped about for the blue cross one. Mm, uh, it, it, we never won in that kit. Oh, that was an amazing kit, though. Um, but yeah, Barmby 7 on the back of it as well. Not uh, well, That would have been post Janino, pre-Janino? Slightly in about between. the time Janino came. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. How long did we get? I know, um, yeah. Seven I minutes didn't even <laughs> it, I didn't even do it in your intro. Well, we got to talk about Midfielders later as well, so oh, we're trying not to talk me. about him. Uh, Andrew, what did you remember for your 90s Christmas past? Well, we, yeah, obviously there's, I've got a few Villa shirts, etc., etc. Um, did you have the, the Muller one? Did you um, have the Muller? Yes, I did. Did you wear was, that the first time you were on? Was no, that I wore the, oh, the white one oh, LDV, with the LDV yeah, with yeah. the claret and blue band across it, the away strip. Um, you know, and as a kid, you as I was in in the nineties, um, you always uh, you know you always the full the full kit so and so. So uh, mm. you know, but 
um, you could bring other things into it. Um, you know, obviously getting like um, video games and that sort of thing. The one I'm going to have to do a bit of a cheat though. I once <laughs> um, it's kind of f- uh, football related. I once got bought as a kid, about eight years old, nine years old, a pair of slippers, and they were exactly the same. Bizarrely, they were exactly the same design. Not that you could ever imagine anything that was exactly the same design. <laughs> As the Villa away shirt of ninety three ninety four, which was green and black yeah, stripes, yeah, that was Muller, wasn't it? That, yeah, 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 yeah. With red yeah. pinstripes running through yeah. it, red and green should and never be seen yeah, unless yeah. there is something and in particularly, between. Particularly not with black and everything else. Yeah. It, was yeah. it was a fairly hideous kit, but to have unrelated—they weren't Villa slippers; they were unrelated slippers in the same design. Makes me wonder where the kit designer was uh, shopping at the time when he thought, "I tell you what, that'd, that, be, that that'd be a great, that'd yeah. be a great laugh. Yeah, that'd be a great away kit, wouldn't it? Oh, that was good." Did they match? Did you have the kit as well? So did you match it? Um, I didn't buy. No, I, oh. Oh, that was that was a dreadful. I did. It, I think it was the away kit to the claret and blue, um, the the thin blue stripes yeah, that was a, yeah, with, with yeah. Muller on the front, which was all Great sort kit. of. Um, um, it's one of those ones where the sponsors had was and the names were all in felt when they were yeah, and he used to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he used to get all like fluff over it once you mm. washed it a couple of times. Um, a couple of things I remember. I remember getting my first QPR shirt, as I said. Um, I remember a football that I got, um, which is it was really wrapped like a football as well, so you knew what it was. But it was a Sondaco football that had Brian Robson's signature on it. And I remember being quite disappointed because I wanted the Gary Lineker one and not the Brian Robson one, but my mum doesn't know this to this day. But it was really heavy. <laughs> she does now. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't listen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was really heavy and it was black. So it was a small one. And I think they did an advert. I think we put it on Twitter a couple of times that they were wearing, like, kind of sort of 50s kind of gangsters kind of that was the advert they did it was quite embarrassing so I remember that and I also got once a match of the day alarm cock which at the time was brilliant because oh yeah I'm alarm cock but by the kind of sort of you know mid-march and you've got the match of the day theme tune waking you up to do your paper round it was awful because kind of Saturday night I didn't even want to hear the watch the TV show because that tune was oh you got to get on deliver papers especially when you just want a Des Lines. Moving on. That was almost as bad as David's joke last week. (laughs) Right, so let's do our team of the night. Start at the or where we should start the goalies. Um, We were not going to dwell too much on this because we talked quite at length, probably more than we thought we would do on the goalies last week because Andrew was here as well. As we mentioned, there was a couple we missed. Um, I've got a short list of of, of three, um, but Rob wanted to throw one in as he said pre-pod. Quite, quite a few actually. Quite a few. (laughs) Real summer very quickly. Right, Pitch Michael, obvious choice, David Seaman, best England goalkeeper of the 90s, but where is Walter Zenger? Mm. Um, the name was mentioned last week. Michel Prudhomme. Oh, 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 there's a name to yeah, conjure yeah. with. Chilever. Yeah, he was mentioned, yeah. yeah okay. But is he more well known for the fact that he, he was a good goalkeeper, but is he more well known for the fact that he scored free kicks and penalties? Well, I mean, still don't. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bit special, isn't oh, he? Oh, so is George Campos on those kits. Ah, well. <laughs> if we're talking kits. Yeah. So I'm not letting you in those. those short, I that, think. The goalies is probably the easiest one, I think. I don't think we need to dwell mm. to... I, the, the sentence we used last week, which I think I'm going to throw out again, was that I think I've put Nigel Martin in there mainly as a poor third choice, even though Nigel Martin was brilliant. But Schmeichel and Seaman were the two kind of... In, I know Walter Zenger's a great shout-out, but I think globally, Schmeichel and Seaman... And I think the difference between the two we said last week was Seaman excelled in the position, was this, I, I think that we said, and Schmeichel defined it, I think is what we said. So... I mean, I'm going to throw out and say that Peter Schmeichel should and would be the goalkeeper, but I'm open to a David Seaman argument if there is any at this table. I, I think 
I think you've got to look at mistakes that they made, mm. really, when you look at it the, the, between the two of them. And, uh, you know, Schmeichel, extremely rare, but you, I think we can all think of five or six really. We'll just chip him. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Blobs that seem, yeah. seem made, even though he's an absolute outstanding keeper yeah. and certainly, you know, the, the best English keeper of that generation. But um, you just got to look at the way Schmeichel, you know, one of the most important signings of Manchester United at that time. And 500, what, 525,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. was it from Bromby? Yeah. Yeah, um, Schmeichel all the way. Yeah, and as we said last week, I mean, we don't need to go over it again, Andrew, because we talked of him quite in detail, but he was a man who, who he was the first goalkeeper that became a match winner. Mm. He, he saved you points. Absolutely. Um, and I think one thing that, that, that Schmeichel has um, overseen is Schmeichel never grew a ridiculous ponytail. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, yes. Well, that, that was later in his, that wasn't quite 90s, but that yeah. Was, that was to help him with his balance. Yeah, yeah probably. But, yeah. Did have a dodgy beard, though, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, don't all Danes, I think. But um, uh, yeah, no, Schmeichel, as you say, yeah, defined it and, and um, defined it in a way that, it, you know, uh, goalkeepers had never, as you say, been match winners um, or even really stood out beyond their excellent yeah. saving capabilities. You know, I mean, obviously the, the great goalkeepers of, of, of their generation um, were all excellent shot stoppers or whatever. But Schmeichel just commanded everything and, and, and was the master of all he surveyed. And he, he was... It was notable, as I said, that Seaman's presence settled the Arsenal back four. Mm. Schmeichel's absence always gave the opposition a boost. As we mentioned last week. And I think therein lies the difference. I think Schmeichel is is infinitely more more important in the 90s, probably the most important um, goalkeeper of, of... the last 30, 40 years. Okay. And also, you know, Peter Schmeichel scored that winner, did he, for Manchester United against Euro- Roto Volgograd yeah, yeah, yeah. in the oh, yeah. UEFA Cup? UEFA scored, Cup for, yeah. scored for Villa as well. Yeah, he right. did, yeah. Um, any, more, would, any possible argument of Seaman, or are we all agreeing that Schmeichel? I think really it really has to be Schmeichel. Tony Warner? <laughs> <laughs> Stensgaard? If you gave me 15 minutes, yeah. I could make a good catch. <laughs> I think he's probably got to be Schmeichel, isn't it? All right, that was the easy one out of the way. Right, so defenders, we did this a few weeks ago. Um, the shortlist we came up with um, is in front of me. It is Gary Neville, Tony Adams, Paolo Maldini, Paul McGrath, Stuart Piss, Roberto Carlos and Cafu, Ronald Koeman, Marcel Desai and I was going to say Ian Walker then, Des Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Goalkeepers so, on the brain. Yeah, sorry Ian. So is there any names there that doesn't need an argument? Are we going to play 4-4-2 because it's the 90s and that's what everybody played in the 90s? So of those names, I'll, I'll say it for you first, Rob, is there a name that we don't need to argue and that would go straight into that 11 for you? Personally, I think Cafu. Okay. Um, was in 1994, 1995, South American Player, uh, player of the Year. Mm-hmm. For a, a right-back to uh, be able to achieve that in a South American game where it's so... Um, he was an attacking player, obviously, but you know, with the, the wealth of talent they've got down there for, for a right-back or a right-wing-back to, to, to win that, I mean, f- his whole game was just absolutely fantastic and he always played with a smile on his face. Yeah. Um, I think we remember him, you know, playing at... Uh, and 94 and 94 94, you know uh, just great pedigree uh, solid solid for Roma and you know I just think fantastic player all round good good argument okay so he's only so he'd be our right back obviously so the only case for him to be against would be the Valencia manager Gary Neville <laughs> is there a case to Gary Neville better than Cafu I don't think so <laughs> that was easy <laughs> consistently I think we saw Gary Neville obviously more as you mm. know fans of the of the Premier League but obviously he never won a World Cup and 
I think, and again, you know, Cafu's giving you more attacking options yeah. as well as being able to do the job at the back. So I don't really think that's a... Easy. Are you arguing for Gary Neville or are we sticking no, with Cafu? No, I think, I think Cafu is a, a good enough choice. Um, the one thing I would say is that obviously any Brazilian defender comes with a, a little... I know yes. he's a good defender, don't get me wrong, but he comes with a little asterisk always mm. of... You know, there's all you could always get in behind them at some at some point um, because they are just all attacking. Yeah, I mean, you know, look at David Luiz, and you know, you look at Lucio before him. I mean, you know, none of them could necessarily concentrate for a full ninety minutes. But Cafu again, it was helped by the fact that he was in a brilliant. Brazil team as yeah. well they all knew their roles that 94 team particularly okay the final wasn't brilliant but they all knew their roles um, they the, it was down to everybody knew how they were going to line up there was yeah. no secret and it was down to other teams to stop them you know, you could predict the Brazil lineup. You could predict the way they were going to play. You could predict how Cafu, Roberto Carlos, Dunga, Babeta, and Mario, all those like how they were going to play. But just just stopping them was was a problem. Um, Gary Neville, a good solid defender, and I think Ferguson seven said that if yeah. um, huh? <laughs> seven out of ten, yeah, yeah. yeah. but if and uh, he learned from Dennis Irwin, didn't he? And, and Ferguson said that if he'd been a couple of inches taller, he'd have probably developed into the best centre back in yeah. Europe. Because he played so, centre back yeah. a few times, mm. didn't he? So okay, I think we're unanimously picking Cafu as a right back. I'll stick you, Andrew, because you're talking Brazil, and you mentioned the name that on the other side, probably someone we talk about defining a position, Roberto Carlos. Do, do we pick them as a, pan, a tandem pair? Well, that's that's interesting, isn't it? That it, you know, whenever you're picking a team, people always say about England. You know, oh, well, how can you leave out so and so? Well, and I always say, well, it's not necessarily about picking your eleven best players or indeed your best twenty-three for a World Cup. You've got to pick a, a team. Mm. Um, and if you are genuinely looking at a, a, a team, then yeah, Roberto Carlos on the other side. Um, again, someone who I mean, I think you know everybody remembers how he could strike a ball. And I'm not just talking about the, the the famous free kick, but but just the power that he could generate. Um, Again, someone that was, if you had a heat map on them on, on, in those days, you'd probably find him a lot further forward than, uh, than he was uh, at the back. But again, the, that Brazil team would have been on the front foot more often than, than not. So yeah, I think there's an argument for that. And um, I'll let you sort of mention the other options that are <laughs> yeah, around. Well, really, the other option we could have, Paolo Modini at left back, but he can play anywhere along the back four. So he's an option. Or the other option at left back, Joe, would be Psycho. Stuart Pearce. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, is he only in the game for pizza adverts? You know, <laughs> well, I would have picked Gareth Southgate for his waddle as well. If it was pizza adverts, um, I personally would have thought um, Maldini just as absolute solid, outstanding, probably the outstanding uh, defender in the world throughout the 1990s. I think is it is he still got the record for Champions League appearances? I think he has, yeah. Um, absolute outstanding leading, leading of um, his club leader of Italy um, solid all the time and played until he was what 41 or something isn't it? I thought he was still he's still playing somewhere isn't he yeah yeah but I played um, at that level yep um, until he was I looked like he was carved out of stone in every game I think we said it when we had the defenders but did he ever sweat he was just yeah. like he played the game so cool, so calm. Like he was never in trouble. You talk, we talk about mistakes. Obviously, we didn't watch the Serie A games as as much as we could, despite James Richardson outside an Italian cafe in the nineties. Um, <laughs> but you can't really. There's not mistakes. Didn't come often for Palermo, did he? Did they, Rob? No, nah, fantastically solid defender. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, Roberto Carlos is still playing. He's, he's he, player manager in the Indian Super yeah, League. Yeah, Indian Super League. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Mal- we could play in that though. In fairness, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually do. <laughs> Moonlight on, a, on the weekend. Commu- I've yeah. commuted for this. So, uh, if, well, if you avoid Victoria Station, you'll be all right. <laughs> Roberto Carlos was always one of them names that Middlesbrough were linked with in the middle of that. Let's buy him. Ninety-five. Brisbane, you were signing, going, we were yeah. always linked with him, and instead we went and bought Branco. So the, <laughs> the uh, less said about that, the better. I think. So are we leaning towards Paolo Maldini as a left I back? Think, I, mean, I think Maldini. Um, you mentioned obviously you could play centre back, and yeah. towards the end he played in that Milan back three and I think what to my mind probably the best use of Paolo Maldini although obviously I'm thinking more latterly um, having seen him more often than I would have done in the 90s etc etc um, is as a left-sided centre-back in a, in a sort of back three where you've got other players around him yeah. to, 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 to bail him out for his you know for his um, to, to, to help him out with his age I guess but um, certainly in terms of a 4-4-2 you've got him and you've got as you say Stuart Pearce and Roberto Carlos and Ronald Koeman on our list as well yeah and mentioned. I mean it, more, uh, probably more early 90s late 80s I I think Ronald Koeman you think of the 88 European Championships and maybe we can rule him out on kind of I just think of Graham Taylor I can think of better I can think of better centre-backs than Maldini but I can't think of any better left-backs well then I think that says it all doesn't it okay so Maldini slotted in number three at left-back then Uh, okay let's pick centre-backs we've got an array here um, someone we didn't even talk about on the pod um, previously when we did defenders and it got a scorned look from our Villa fan in the corner there when I said this last week Um, Paul McGrath (laughs) Go on. It's <laughs> <When, laughs> a Janino-esque. Go on. When, when Gareth Barry um, broke into the Villa team in the 98-99 season, we played him in a back three, um, left-sided centre-back, and the chant that went up was, McGrath, it's just like watching McGrath. And he will always be the... Um, standard by which every Villa defender mm. will be judged until we get someone else as good as him. Um, is that likely anytime soon? And not at the moment. It's not, no, I, I'm not sure necessarily, as, as, as popular as he is, that uh, Jorah Zakora or uh, Kieran Clark are necessarily on <laughs> Paul McGrath's level. Um, as we all know, um, you know, had it not been for other demons and his mm. knees, you know, he could have been better, he could have played longer, he could have, um, you know, had, you know had, it's, but he was just a spectacularly good reader of the game and um, you know a fantastic fantastic player um, and I'm going to just stick up for him in this in this you're going to find your villa yet yeah, have, you, have you read his book um, no the book is absolutely incredible and will explain a lot about yeah. the problems he had and why he had them and the way that the way that managers at Villa treated him mm. when it was obvious he just needed to be wrapped in cotton wool yeah. all the time and yeah. you know Atkinson would just be like you know, and the way that he was treated at Manchester United as well to some degree but certainly how he was treated by um, Atkinson and Brian Little I think it, it's, a, it's a really interesting book and I'd advise anybody just to go out and have a look at it because it tells you all about his childhood because he, he was dragged up by I think that's quite inspirational book. isn't it yeah the book's incredible so if you can get hold of Paul McGrath's book, go and have a look at that. Mm. Good tip. Um, you, as your partial Ireland fan, of, uh, Rob, so would, would McGrath be your pick? He wouldn't, but I definitely, um, I have absolute respect for him. I think um, for the sort of challenges he's made, he, he was he was very rarely booked in the first ten years of his career. I think that's what I'm saying. And you know, he was quite a robust, you know, a, a, a great centre half, but you know he. He, he didn't shake away from you know shy away from challenges. He was you know he was up for the game, and I think with everything else that was going on in his life at the time, and as Joel was alluding to, you know, you read about his childhood and where he's come from and what he had to do, and you know, not having that, that foundation, just he just seemed to overcome adversity all the time. And unfortunately, as you said, 
and you know the, the knees gave up on him in the end yeah um, yeah and uh, well as I say he is he is the, the standard bearer for all uh, for all Villa defenders possibly um, uh, to the detriment of those who followed him really that's, that's, that's the problem so we're not kind of got getting him in yet so you've got a good argument Rob's not putting him who would you pick Joe for your centre back off that list I think um, you know we sort of dismissed um, Gary Neville a minute ago for being sort of in- English very good but I'm going to go um, Tony Adams yeah I think he's I've gone back since I've been doing this I've gone back and sort of looked at Adams properly I didn't I probably didn't have the appreciation um, that I had at the time but then sort of been watching a lot of shows and his name keeps cropping up quite yeah. a lot and obviously I watched him at the time because I was there and, uh, and everything um, but having gone back and, and rewatched some of his sort of greatest hits and everything you see what an outstanding player and, and, and not I, I always had him in my head as a sort of blood and thunder player which I think he had but I think there was a lot more technicality, technicality with him as well at that point and especially when Wenger came absolutely and you know i think you see you see the difference in him don't you i mean there's those the famous um dispatches documentary of the, the early 90s with arsenal players where they had mike they had um uh was the referee mic'd up during an arsenal game and tony adams was yeah. forever leaning over that him was and, then that was uh, late um, 80s at Millwall. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um um, and you and you look at him then, and you look at that early Arsenal team or, or that that initial, and you look at him under Wenger, and the, and like you say, the, the the transformation is 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 clear because um, he'd 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 learnt a lot from the, the the hot house of Arsenal that that really sort of, I mean, they were just a, you know, Wimbledon were known as the crazy game, but that, that dressing room at Arsenal would have been going through all sorts of um, it's tumultuous period male, yeah male, absolutely male, absolutely male, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and he not only was survived the Wenger um, revolution the famous um, complaint about him taking the Mars bars away on their first away, away trip <laughs> um, but he you know Wenger marked him out as the man to, 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 to help him lead it on the field and to, for him to score that goal against Everton when they won the, won the league yeah, a great mean, moment great yeah, bit just of commentary a great moment. as well from Martin Tyler so right that Adams is in who would be your other one then Rob? Kerman Ronald Kerman I just think uh, apparently he's the defender who scored the most goals in the world ever great free kicks uh, great free kicks I mean he's record- especially when he gets two goals to take them <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do I not like that? <laughs> More uh, than flick one. He's going to flick one. More goals than Hierro. Apparently, so, I mean, I'm d- based on something I've read, but apparently he he's scored the most, and his his record at PSV is is amazing. It's something like he's more than a goal every other game for a centre half. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. And you know, I think all round finesse, knowledge, reading of the game, fantastic for what he done. I mean, he was part of that Barcelona side that were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. For, for for three or four years, and they they mopped up everything, didn't they? Um, obviously, off subjects a little little bit, but you know, fantastic back end of the eighties as well. Um, yeah, I, that'd be my choice. Okay, I think is that. Are we all agreeing on that? Are we yeah, going Adams think, and Cooman? Um, I I I. It's <laughs> <I'm laughs> a first argument. That's a no I, went over, <laughs> I went Adams and Cooman, so now I'm going to back away. Yeah. <laughs> That's majority. I'm going to be, out, be outvoted. I know, but um, I'm going to put in a word for another player on this list um, at the other end of the decade, Marcel Desailly. Yeah. Who for me um, just has or had everything that you could want in terms of attributes. For a centre half, um, strong, decent brain, um, good reader, you know, uh, and 
I think really, really helped. Um, obviously, that the, the France team, but also settled in at Chelsea and became a big influence for, for, for Chelsea at that period. Um, so, you know, I think Desai from the back end of the, the, the decade um, is worth considering. He was another one of those sort of how have they done that signings? I think Desai, another one way, mm. you know, he was he, probably at the latter end of that period where a player coming to the Premier League could still surprise you and I think Desai mm. was definitely one of those when um, when he went to Chelsea yeah. so good chat. and Des Walker was the other one which we talked about a lot on the not <laughs> he's been Walker. beaten yeah, he's been, he has <laughs> actually finally been beaten but I think he was a lot of yeah I think Sam Doria kind of tainted his career a I little used him bit. as a full back yeah. yeah, but very much uh, nice ok so our back four then we've decided on is we're very attacking Cafu <laughs> Adams Kuman and Roberto Carlos we might need some defenders we might need some defenders <laughs> so it's 90s we'll go all Kevin Geegan right before we tick midfielders we're going to take a really quick break and have a really quick chat with uh, a striker from the 90s he played for uh, Chelsea and Southampton he was on a spread in a Merlin sticker album as one of the stars of the future and did very well for himself after that it's Neil Shipley Neil Shipley welcome to Alive and Kicking. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to take you back to uh, the 90s, um, where you made your debut as a young lad at Chelsea. What was it like growing up uh, around the club at that time? And I can imagine it was quite different for players back then. What was it like for yourself? I bet you were cleaning the boots and things like that. Yeah, it was completely different. I mean, I joined them as a 15-year-old schoolboy uh, and managed to sort of jump straight into what was then called the YTS, you know, the apprentice scheme. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was great times. Uh, I'd say I'd done the apprenticeship. Uh, yeah, we, we we all had chores. We all had to clean the boots, toilets. You know, and I think we even painted the stand once and uh, things like that. So it's a complete difference to uh, what people would imagine the apprenticeship was like. Uh, certainly now, absolutely, absolutely. And you were kind of you broke into a team which had quite a lot of a decent strikers at the time as well, with like Paul Furlong, Mark Steen, John Spencer. Was that difficult for you at the time as a, as a young lad? No, you don't really worry about that. I mean, I, I was knocking goals in uh, in the youth team. Uh, sort of regularly and you know uh, there was a sort of whisper that I was going to get a chance sooner or later and uh, and then I sort of started getting into a squ- the squad uh, under Ian Porterfield but he, he bottled it like didn't put me on the, the bench and then David Webb came in and put me on the bench but at the time it was it was Robert Fleck who was the one that we, we bought him for massive money from Norwich and he couldn't stop scoring at Norwich but he came to Chelsea and he, he sort of had a, had a bad time but I quite respected him because he really worked hard and the fans sort of went for him but he just never fell for him so that, that was the moment I uh, sort, of, sort of started I'll come on for, for Robert Fleck and the band about that era Yeah we remember Robert Fleck well actually I'm not sure many modern day Chelsea fans do um, <laughs> um, What do you remember what was your best moments for Chelsea I know it was kind of you know you were a young, young star playing for them and you got in the under 21s as well what are your, good, what are your best memories playing for Chelsea? First of all at the debut because uh, you know, it's something you dream of. It really was, and to make it, it was against Wimbledon. I can remember it like it was, uh, you know, obviously yesterday. We managed to score. My memory of that game was I must have run so much, and I got I got cramped. And as I scored the goal, I sort of went over to the old shed, and I think it was quite Burley sort of jumped on my back and everything. And my, I just remember getting cramped and having to walk back quite poorly actually uh, from from the goal, but. No, that that was a great moment for me personally. Obviously, my debut and, and getting a goal, and and another game uh, that, that stood out was in the uh, I think it was like the old Cup Winners' Cup uh, when I played uh, uh, in Austria Vienna. Mm. I, uh, I didn't score, but I, you know, I had a lot of people say that's sort of when I basically turned into a man. You know, I, I had a great game and 
and getting quite a lot of plaudits, but I think I ended up leaving about a week after. <laughs> I, I knew some people, some people were quite pleased with us. So. Well, let's talk about that. Then you, you left for Southampton. What made you choose Southampton, and, and what do you remember about that squad when you arrived there? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously we go through my career, but I moved quite a lot. But that, that's my first move, and that, that was quite difficult, to be honest. Uh, as, as a kid, you, you know, you, I was at Chelsea, and, and you, you honestly do think you're going to be at Chelsea for years, and you know. Uh, I looked up to Kerry Dixon and you kind of are thinking, oh, you know, could I be like a Kerry Dixon and stay there for years? And, and at that moment at the old training ground, I let Glenn Oddle pulled me in. That was when, I don't think many people had mobile phones. It was, uh, it was like a 10p phone on the wall. You know? <laughs> and he, he took a phone call. He, he said he'd just had Alan Ball on the phone and they've accepted a fee. And I just remember being just absolutely shocked that, uh, you know, I knew, I knew enough, obviously, I, I, I went stupid, but once once you sort of agree a fee, then you, you, that is it, you know, the club have, have agreed to let you go, and uh, I just remember, very sort of, quite sad, to be honest, to go, but then it also made me grow up, and, uh, you know, I say I moved so many times, you get used to it, you know, I'd be classed as a journeyman striker, but the, the first one was tough, I've got to admit. Mm. What, was, what was Southampton like? Yes, you would have been there under, was it Dave Merrington? Well, Alan Ball bought me, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, he was a great manager. Uh, obviously, to win the World Cup and stuff, he, he had the respect anyway. But yeah, he, he was a great man. Uh, I, I, well, so I kind of grew up, you know, that's where you, when you go for a fee to a club, that's, that's when you sort of can make your mark. You know, that was me being like, well, sort of not number one. It was kind of number one and two striker, like Leticia and me. He played behind us a lot of the time anyway. But I was, uh, I was bought obviously for a reason. You know, I was going to be. Uh, up there being picked uh, most weeks unless sort of injured and lack of form so that was that was quite uh, quite a good moment obviously bit, you know someone to pay that amount of money for you you've got a little bit of responsibility comes, comes with it mm. After Southampton you, you moved on as well like you said you moved on a few times but Palace you won promotion as well what do you remember about that promotion season in the in the late 90s? Yeah, that was great. I mean, I ended up going obviously down a division, but I, I just remember I really liked the feel of it. That was the first time Harry, Harry Bassett bought us. Uh, he ended up buying me a couple of times more, but that was a good feel. I, I, I'd sort of done a little bit of Southampton, been quite a regular, and and then like I say, got we got we got was lucky with playoffs. But David Ockin hit that sort of worldy. Uh, we got promoted from the strength for that, but. It was just a great time to play. You know, we played with three up front and, you know, we were beating teams 5-4 and, you know, 4-2. It was a real exciting time, I'd imagine, to be a Palace fan. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for, for your memories, Neil. Great to talk to you. No worries. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 10p phones, eh? There well, they was. That's the 90s for you, wasn't it? Right, we've got to move on very quickly. Thank you to Neil for those memories, but we're running out of time already. We've still got sort of six <laughs> positions to pick, so we've got to be as quick as possible. Right, so midfielders were on. We're doing 4 4 so we're picking four midfielders. The shortlist that we came up with was Zidane, Beckham, Giggs, Keane, Gaza, Mateus, Ginola and Vieira. I'm just going to throw this one firstly out there and say I think Ryan Giggs walks into the team of the 90s because he's Ryan Giggs. Do we all agree? I think so and, and, and played throughout the whole of the decade mm. and I think probably the only one who's, I mean, apart from Ginola who was hit and miss, who could just dominate the left wing. And yeah. Agreed. Agreed? Yeah, absolutely. That was easy. That was a good one. Um, I think we might have to shoehorn the rest of it because as much as I am a massive David Beckham fan, huge David Beckham fan to be honest, but mainly late 90s and I think there's more players in there who probably deserve to, to be in there over David Beckham 
I think Beckham didn't really make an impact until '96. Yeah. You know, he, he started. He got the goal the didn't team. win goal of the season. The Trevor Sinclair one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Go on, carry on, Joe. Does he follow QPR? Yeah, yeah so, that's the rumor. Wegley's not on the strikers list. I promise. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think that Beckham. I think his impact was more um, was more after that. I think you know. I think he, he went. He was at Preston in '94. I think yeah. uh, made his made his presence felt at United '95 in the England team after Euro '96. So I would say probably just a bit too late. Yeah. Although you know, certainly if this was '95 to 2005, you were just born at the wrong time. Yeah, Dave, sorry, Dave, Beckham. just missed out there. I'm um, sure he's so who is going himself. to occupy the right wing then? Because we haven't really got a natural right winger then so I to get him in the team because to me he is the 90s and I think others would play better in the centre I'm going to say Paul Gascoigne I don't like Paul Gascoigne <laughs> oh! explain yourself Gallagher have you, have, you, have you seen Star Wars as well? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Star Wars but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I, I just think he's massively overrated and I think if he That's was a whole different podcast if he was if he was from Norway <laughs> Like, no one, no one would be bothered about him. It's I just the he fact he's English. Sometimes. Yeah, he probably thinks yeah. So um, he's not. He's not going. He's not your vote. I think the, the the biggest problem is that, from what I remember, and I don't remember Italian ninety, but uh, obviously he burst onto the scene in yeah. terms of England and people's everyday people's consciences in in Italia ninety, um, and was therefore you know billed as the the you know the the big hope and everything else. Had the problem with the um, cup final, um, went to Italy, kind of lost the um, a, a little bit of that sort of um, you know everyday sort of consciousness of, of non football fans, um, and then not Euro '96 brought him back. You know, he really yeah. exploded back in Euro '96, and then just he just self imploded because he'd always he'd always had that 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 streak in him and. And, and Glenn Hoddle was the first one to see through it. Every he's one of those players where every manager thinks they're going to tame him. Well, Venables, mm, you could say, just about did in Euro '96, but there was always the edge that he did probably didn't have prolonged him long enough, did he? But to, don't forget the Cathay Pacific. Yeah, uh, of course, incident. beforehand. So, yeah, that's so, kind of brushed under the carpet. Um, Joe, are, are you well, going to save me here? And, well. Uh, I can't because uh, you know he signed for Borough in uh, was it 1998? Yeah, 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 and he was with us for a couple of years, and I think he had one one good game in his time for Borough. He had a, we had a game against Manchester City on a Friday night where he was outstanding, and beyond that, I just don't think we saw it either. Although you again, he's another one of these that you would see kicking about town, and always a lovely bloke. And I think it's a, I think it's a case of what might have been all the yeah. time with Gaza, and you know certainly Borough wouldn't have been getting him for three point four five million. I had, I had one big memory of Paul Gascoigne um, on a personal level. I saw the Villa Borough game in '98 just after he'd signed for Borough. Um, it was the day that it transpired that he'd started off driving the team coach on the way down there. <laughs> um, drove it drove it to a, a, an off licence I think for cigarettes rather than booze no, he, drove it to, he drove it to a bus stop and um, opened the doors as he got the bus stop and said to, said to all the people wait at the bus stop come on then where are you going and then promptly crashed it and had oh, to right, pay £20,000 to uh, but also when it, when it finally got when it finally got there whichever coach it ended up being um, it was backing into Villa Park Reversing back in, and um, we all saw um, uh, this figure 
sort of stretched out across the back window, trying to make life as difficult for the driver as possible. And of course, it's Paul Gascoigne, so he was um, he was he was he was causing trouble at the front and the back of the coach. <laughs> yeah, that's, and Villa that's went on to win. Kind of Gazif. Okay, well, we'll just put we a never pin, win. We'll put them. a pin in that for the moment because <laughs> um, we have got to start picking players or we'll run out of time. Um, so. Yeah, well, the producer's saying five, but we'll try and stretch that a little bit because he's an Arsenal fan <laughs> and he just wants to watch the game. So <laughs> <laughs> he's just waiting for us to talk about Patrick Vieira. Right, Roy Keane, are we saying going in? Oh, we've got looks at the we've got a new shortlist here. What is, Zidane. I've got a great story about Zidane as well. Apparently, uh, Kenny Dalglish tried to sign him for Blackburn, and um, uh, what's his name? Jack uh, Walker. Walker turned Another Walker, not Ian, not Des. Said, Why do we need to sign Zidane? We've got Tim Sherwood. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just a little grimace on the Villa fan's face. Um, so, Zidane, where are we playing him then? So, are we shooting him into the right wing, or are we sticking centre? He could play right wing. He can play anywhere, can't he? He can do that. He can write. So, so, we've got. Dan on the right As long as we're, not, as long just as we're tucked not, in a bit Just tucked <laughs> yeah, in yeah. a bit So centre kind of gives us I've, Well Mateus Keane And Vieira it's, Or Gascoigne Which I'm still Thinking man's Colton Palmer Thinking man's mm-hmm. Colton Palmer I think I put Vieira in But I think Seeing as I've just said For David Beckham It didn't really happen Until the late mm-hmm. 90s um, And I remember seeing One of Vieira's Really early games For Arsenal And just going Who is the number four And yeah. it, was, it was at It was at Middlesbrough And within three minutes I was like Who's the number four Straight yeah. away And I think Did the game from Inter I think for Four and a half million Or something I can't remember Yeah, where he did, from. yeah. Um, and, and he just suitably Massively impressed me And I just went Alright oh, he's going to be Something isn't he I think he was like 19 at the time Yeah he had two games For Inter That's the match Yeah, yeah. Crazy Came with Wemmy Guard um, But again uh, You know If I'm going to go by the Beckham rules Then I can't have him in And so therefore <laughs> well, I your own, You've made them own, your own rules We haven't put <laughs> them on I live by the sword I die, die by the sword <laughs> We're running out of players To put in now Low for Matthias surely Low for Matthias It's got to be It's a great shout Because 19, 19, I mean again Very early 90s 1990 he was there And he played at 94 so yeah, I mean, Imperial, I mean, like Imperious box to box, yeah, I mean, fantastic. Prob- probably underrated from our point of view because we didn't see enough of him. Mm. Well, we saw yeah. him at the end of his career when he was sort of tarnished by Euro two thousand. Though mm. he did win, what was it? He was a German player of the year nineteen ninety nine. So he was part of that German side that we beat in two thousand, and, yeah. and and people felt that he was certainly the German fans felt he was. Uh, I don't was he? He wasn't part of the two thousand and one team, was he? The five one team? I think is he? Gone I think he gone by then. But yeah. The, yeah, yeah, when Shearer Euro scored the winner in two thousand, yeah, yeah, they they. they so we said on Keane and Matthias. Is that our centre midfield? I would go Keane and Vieira personally. Oh, that's a battle in midfield. You mm. go. We got well. That they'll be fighting each yeah, other. <laughs> well, we've got such an attack in defence. Is that where you're going for? Yeah, yeah. I just think that uh, you know. I think uh, Roy Keane is just capable of, 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 of dominating a game yeah. and picking it up by its bootstraps Vieira um, strides forward and, and, and creates merry hell out. with just about everybody Keen and Vieira are we going with? Go on then Yeah go Joe on, happy I'll with go, that? Yeah I'll go with that yeah. Everyone's happy well, Twitter's going to go mental with that one but yeah <laughs> okay so Paul Gascoigne sensationally left out the starting 11 he's on the bench he'd been my shout but majority rules okay we're moving on strikers we've run out of time so we've got to do these as quick as possible um, the strikers we chose as our shortlist were Ronaldo Bastuta Shearer Klinsman and Dennis Burkamp. so hard because I'd play all of them um, any Rob that you'd rule out uh, I think uh, so. Rule out is hard. Really yeah, it's hard. hard. It's hard. Um, <laughs> if you or rule in, if there's one player that goes, well, he has to be in. Uh, Ronaldo, Shearer in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would be my two. They uh, would be my two. Ronaldo, uh, Shearer, Ronaldo, Batty goal. Ooh. I love Batty goal. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew. Um, I love Batty Studer, but for me, 
Bergkamp and Ronaldo and I think particularly <laughs> um, I think particularly Bergkamp and Ronaldo would if we're going for the whole 4-4-2 and, yeah. and, and I think they complement each other they would well. very well um, I think also Ronaldo is a given tail, I think yeah is Ronaldo is given I've often said in this podcast it's again you know it's come to something that Alan Shearer is just hasn't even had a mention no, we're, we're kind of ruling out the English players no offence guys um, but Dennis Bergkamp I've said on this podcast before is probably the best overseas player the Premier League's ever seen for me so in, and if you add that to the goal at 98 which is probably which we actually voted on this podcast as the best goal of the decade as well I've got an Arsenal fan Gabe who's just nodding incessantly <laughs> please how, um, how is De Bourne on this for left back sorry just thinking about the ball that he played I mean just for that ball yeah just for that ball right should we go back to the beginning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all agreed <laughs> we're all agreed on Schmeichel <laughs> so basically what we've learned in this podcast we are all agreed on the goal <laughs> Schmeichel and which is what others. we wanted so I think we've, where we're going Ronaldo Burkham is that yeah, where think, we're at because we're well, I'm all right. I'm all right. We all, well, right we all agree on Ronaldo. So we all yeah, agree on Ronaldo. I think we'd all choose. I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann didn't really get shout, but maybe we didn't. Again, we didn't see enough of him. Okay, so very quickly then, the team was Schmeichel in goal, Cafu, Kuman, Adams, and Carlos. Zidane. No, no, no. did we say Carlos? No, no, no. It was Maldini. Uh, Maldini. Oh, Maldini. Sorry, Maldini. Maldini. See, we talked so many left backs for a sport of choice. Um, so then in midfield we went with Zidane, Keane. Uh, Vieira and Giggs and then finally Ronaldo and Burkham. that's a pretty good team that's isn't right. it? you'd have that in your, is your fantasy team yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder how much they'd be worth so that's it um, argue how you like on Twitter thank you very much for listening uh, thank you guys for coming on thank you Andrew thank you thank Joel you. thank you Rob and season's greetings yes yeah. season's greetings to all um, just a couple of quick things I want to say before we go um, a little bit of really sad news to be honest about Jimmy Hill who was someone who we uh in the 90s looked on as a pundit and a presenter I always remember his bow tight year in 96 so really sad news of his passing and also wishing our best to Pavel Cernicek who is someone we spoke to on the podcast only last week in our goalies and uh, today sadly he suffered a a cardiac arrest and is in uh, quite a bad way in hospital at the moment so uh, thoughts go out to him for a speedy recovery Um, we'll be back in January on the pod Um, we haven't got a date yet and it might be in a slightly different guise we uh, we just haven't decided why we're going yet but keep an eye on the Twitter feed Um, we'll show you all that what's going to happen and when we'll be back but we're now breaking for Christmas so a quick Merry Christmas to everyone and a big thank you to uh, all the guests that have come on the show and all the X90 stars we've spoken to on the phone as well it's been brilliant Um, so have a great Christmas hashtag keep it 90s this podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production. 